January 13th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Memchet Amud Aleph, this morning's class. And the classes throughout the week is dedicated or donated in memory of Sam Catton, Shalomo Ben Sarah, Alab HaShalom. And Daf Memchet Amud Aleph, where before the lines, let's go back just a line or two, before the lines get uh, wide, let's go back two lines up, two words before the end of the line. And take a look at the word over there, Ditnan, Ditnan, as we learned in the Mishnah, Motar HaMetim Lamet, Motar HaMet LiYorshav. So the statement is as follows, if there was a collection for Metim, for people who have passed away, and there's extra, there's Motar, in other words, there's extra money in addition to the burial necessities, the money which was spent on the burial of those people, there's extra money. What happens with that money? Who do we give it to? Or alternatively, as Tosafot pointed out, as we discussed with Jared yesterday, maybe there's garments that are extra. What do you do with them? Lemetim. You give it to different people who have passed away. Motar hamet. But if it was a collection for a single person, that was the way we began the collection. That's the way we ended the collection. For a single person, we did the burial, and there's extra money, there's extra garments. Who gets it? Liyorshav. It goes to the descendants. Vit. The, the people who donated it. it, it listen, the, the halakha is it goes to the Yoshim because the understanding is it was already donated. Generally speaking, generally speaking, in the context of, well, again, where over here, if it was a full-fledged hasmana, because keep in mind this question on Abaye, if it was a full-fledged hasmana, then it should be completely and fully asubahana, it should be to the myth. There's something in the middle over here. It has to do with the halachot of tzedakah. When you've designated tzedakah, we have a halakha similar to what we talked about on the first day in the sukya of hekdesh, of amirato lagavoa kim sirato lehediot. As that a simple statement could designate something as out of your reach already. So as a result, you're right, Nathan. Instead of giving it back to the people who donated it, first and foremost, I'll tell you, technically speaking, it would be hard as well. We probably have one pot, all the people have given, and what, you're going to go back and then separate it based on amounts and so forth. Not so easy. But alternatively, when you've given to Siddhaka, generally speaking, when you've already designated that, even if Hazmatmana is love milta, it's Siddhaka. As a result, it's going to go to a different source. Where is it going to? It goes to the Yorshim. Now, it continues the Gemara, but Alan, we talk about this Mishnah in a Beraita, clarifying it, Kesad, how is it so in the circumstance of both Motar HaMetim, LaMetim, and Motar HaMet LeYorshav, Kesad, how is it so, Gavu LaMetim, Setam, Zehu Motar Metim, if there was a collection just um, in general for people who have passed away, that's what's called Motar HaMetim, LaMetim, Gavu LaMet, Zeh, if alternatively it was designated, this person passed away and we're collecting for his or her burial, Zehu motar hamet liyorshav. Period. That's a circumstance of what we refer to as motar hamet, the extra which was given for a person who passed away for his burial, for the needs of after death circumstances. La yorshim, it goes to the descendants. Now, the Gemara is in the context of asking a question on Abaye. Abaye's claim is hazmana milta, which means to say if there's a designation, generally speaking, most of the Rishonim assume designation means just with your mouth. 
Uh, maybe even according to Abaye Tosafot here, the second Tosafot on the page suggests you might have to pick up the item and say, this should be. But ultimately speaking, what we're talking about, Hazmana means a designation without using it. Whereas Rava says the only time something becomes designated is through using, because he says, Hazmana love milta. Wait a second, over here, in this situation, you've given the money for the burial. How is it now that the descendants are able to enjoy it? The descendants are still alive. That money should be asur bahana'a. It was collected ex- for the explicit use of this burial. Okay, the burial is not feasible because it's already done and this money is extra. The Yoshim shouldn't be able to use it. So Abaye or the defendants of Abaye throw it back at Rava. They say, Rava, are you really, uh, you're complacent with this beraita, with this Mishnah? And according to your logic, read to the end of the Mishnah. The end of the Mishnah has the following words. According to the Binatan, the money which was given for the explicit use of burial of one person and it's extra, what are you to do with it? Again, Tanakama, the first opinion said, give it to the descendants. The Binatan says, don't touch it. I mean, don't touch it. We're uncertain the status of this money. Uncertain the status of this money. Rava, you were all excited about Tanakama. How do you explain the Binatan? According to you, that Hazmana love milta, that the designation per se is nothing. Well, then how come you can't use that money? That money is insignificant in terms of its initial thought or even stated purpose. Furthermore, says the, says the Mishnah at the end, that's first the opinion of Bimeir. Rabbi Natan says, says, how can and what could you do with that money? What you can do with that money is you can add to the burial plot of the person you collected for. Make a dimus, make an extra chamber. Alternatively, buy wine, which will, use, which will be used for sprinkling for the kabod of the met in some way or fashion. That was appropriate in order to honor the dead. But ultimately speaking, both Rabbi Natan and Bimeir are claiming, are stating that the money can't go to the, to the descendants. Why not, Rava? According to you, that has manalav milta, the money should be able to be used freely by anyone. Which means to say we're at a standstill over here. We thought we were asking a question on... I, uh, it comes back to your initial question. Your initial question has to be that the designation was for him, and as a result, we're stuck with this money. On the one hand, they donated it. Of of it, it sounds like it's a quasi sedaka sort. Because it's so to speak, which is an amazing thing. In other words, you're right. Listen, it started as sedaka, but what, what we said is, it's so to speak, as by giving it for sedaka, it was put into the hands, keep in mind, of a dead person. Right? And as a result, the dead person is now inheriting it to his descendants or her descendants, which is a fascinating reality, but that is what seems to be taking place over here. Uh, ultimately speaking, says the Gemara, we don't know how to read this. Ela, as we concluded yesterday, Abaye metares metares Both Abaye and Rava need to, in some way, reconstruct what's really underlying the mechanics of this Mishnah. Again, each of them need to defend their opinion. Rava, Hazmana lav milta. Abaye, Hazmana milta. Rava, how do you 
explain the latter two opinions? Abaye, how do you explain the first opinion, that of Tanakama? Well, let's start with Abaye, says the Gemara, Abaye metares le Le means a taste, according to his reasoning, his taste on this matter. How so? Abaye, you need to defend not those second two opinions, those second two opinions, Bimeir and Binatan, accord very nicely with your opinion. Tanakama, who says that the descendants get to use the money, how do they get to use the money? Asmana milta, dikule alma hasmana miltahi. The first opinion in this Mishnah, as well as Rabbi Meir, the second, and Rabbi Natan, the last, every single one of them agrees. Wait a second, Tanakama, who claims that the Yorshim, the descendants, can use that money. If Hazmana Milta, the money was designated for the dead person, the descendants shouldn't be able to use it. Says the Gemara, Tanakama Savar de Hazule Tafis de la Hazele. Latafis. The claim goes as follows. The money which is hazeh, which is appropriate, which can be seen as going to the dead person, tafis, that's what takes hold. De la hazeh, that which is not appropriate, cannot be seen as going to the dead person, latafis, does not grab hold. That's what does that mean? That's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he said. But keep in mind, Nathan's question is even stronger now, according to this claim, right? Because the statement over here of Abaye is that the money above and beyond the designated purpose of usage with this person who passed away is latafis. If you take those words literally, latafis, it doesn't grab hold. So like Nathan said, either everyone could go and enjoy it, or alternatively, we give it back to the donors. It sounds as if the hachamim determined, okay, but we're going to give it to the descendants without a strong, strong rationale, because it's not an after-death uh, inheritance because it was la tafis. But that's the claim of Abaye. Says Abaye, the only reason Tanakama over here says the extra money goes to the descendants is because it's exactly that. It's extra money. When you, when I determined we're going to give to that person's burial, we meant we're going to give it to that person's burial. In our minds as a result, in our statement as a result, even in our action as a result, the money we were giving was not the extra money as well for this purpose. And as a result, says Tanakama, although, explains Abaye, Hazmana Milta, the extra money, the lahazele, the money that's not appropriate for usage, is latafis. It would never caught on. Yes, Judah. Oh, no, okay. Says the Gemara Bimeir. What about the second opinion? Bimeir said you can't use that money. You need to wait until Eliyahu comes and determines what you do with that money. In other words, it's mamon hamutal besafek. We mamash don't know what to do with that money. So Bimeir misapkale. Bimeir, in turn, says Abaye, was uncertain. What do you do with the extra money? What is the status of the extra money? Hazmana milta. I know. Or what about the extra money? Itafis, ilatafis. His safik, his uncertainty, his doubt is whether the extra money is nitpas or not. If it takes hold as well in terms of designation. Therefore, safe deposit box, out of sight, out of mind, can't touch that money until. What about the last opinion of Binatan who made clear to us that the status of that money is needing to be used for burial, but he's already buried. Buried. I use it for his kabod, add an extra chamber, use it for the wine that you'll sprinkle in front of the dead person. Says the Gemara, in turn, for Abayer, Bi 
Meir's opinion, excuse me, Rabbi Natan, that last opinion, he's certain that even the extra money, to that extent, says Abaye, if I designate the money for a dead person, the halakha is this money is tafis. I can't use it. The dead person's in the ground. Everything's been handled. Add to it, buy wine, sprinkle it in front, add a chamber, make his burial plot more appropriate for him. Okay, says the Gemara, that's how Abaye would handle this Mishnah. Rava, we thought, was the challenger, and ultimately speaking, he was challenged. Rava came with this Mishnah in which he claimed, how come Motar Hamet is Yorshim? How is it possible that the extra money which was given for the burial of this individual could be used by the descendants? I thought that money now is for the dead person. Abaye, or the defense of Abaye, said, but what about Abin Natan? What about Abin Meir? Those next two opinions. Rava needs to defend those. Rava would as well defend himself according to his reasoning. What's his reasoning? Everybody agrees, both Tanakama as well as Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Meir Hazmana love Miltahi. Everybody agrees the designation is insignificant. It doesn't achieve a status. Okay, Tanakama Savar, Tanakama's opinion goes as follows. The understanding goes like this. It's a little embarrassing. To have money collected for you after your death is a little bit embarrassing. Now, the question is, for this individual who's in the ground, what is his intent and his will with regards to that embarrassment which was affected upon him? Well, says, says the Gemara, we, according to Tanakhama, we claim, we understand that the embarrassing state of affairs that that person has, quote, from the grave, he would want that money now to go to his descendants. He says, listen, I was embarrassed enough, let that money now go to my descendants. That's his will. So again, yeah, it makes sense. I'll tell you why. Right. The heirs, the heirs, the heirs didn't have the money to pay for his funeral. Obviously, they're poor. Otherwise, they're really awful people. Or they don't like him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, understood. Right. So, so the point so is, the point. I got gotcha. you. So says Morris, if he's willing to quote swallow his pride and accept this money, it's because we assume the family doesn't have the money. If the family doesn't have the money, it means if there was extra money, his will would be, our will should be. The family now get that extra money. So there it is. Tanakama's Tanaka intention goes as follows. Keep bazule when there's this bizayon to him. zilute. He is mohel on his zilut. Zol, of course, means cheap. The cheapening of him, in other words, the embarrassment. He's mohel says, listen, it's going to be more embarrassing that my family members hold on to it now. But you know something? I waive that. And gabe yorshim, let the descendants have it. be meir. Rabbi Meir alternatively might say, Morris, although it makes sense for the family members to get it, we have a certain dignity and pride. I needed it for my burial, move on. For my descendants now, they're going to be walking around just with tzedakah money, which was raised for my burial, says Rabbi Meir. I'm not really certain that's what he wanted. What are we going to do with the money now? Therefore, don't touch that money until Eliyahu comes, because we don't know if this was the will of the deceased. Says the Gemara, the last opinion, that of Rabbi Natan, says the dignity of a person is so much so in the traditional and standard circumstance that we assume, although they didn't have money for burial, his family, he himself, she herself, the extra money, don't give it to my family members. It's enough that I caused embarrassment, that I was an embarrassment, that I was buried based on money collected by others. 
Let them now fend for themselves. Let them have self-dignity. Let me, from the grave, so to speak, have that self-dignity by them continuing without that extra money. Well, that all being the case, we are still stuck with regards to our general and overarching issue of Hazmana Milta, Hazmana Lav Milta. Both Abaye and Rava were metarese leta'amayu. Both of them were able to defend themselves. We're still stuck. The Gemara is in its last leg. Tashema. Come and listen to the following proof. A person passes away in the lifetime of his or her parents. And the parents, so distraught with the circumstance, with the reality of a child having passed away during their lifetime, they're taking their garments and throwing it at him. So here he is, dead, lying on a bed of some sort, and they're throwing clothing at him. Now, of course, the intention or the realization that they have as they throw the clothing is, this clothing is going to go into the grave together with him. All right, that's the circumstance. So a terrible situation. Again, we should never be in such a situation, but we've heard of it. A person who's stuck with or finds out a tragic circumstance in their life, that of fatality or otherwise, oftentimes has that sort of reaction. So wealth, so money is worthless to me. Let me just drain it or throw it all down the drain. Let me just get rid of it all. So here they are in their sorrow, their agony, looking at the dead child in front of them, throwing their clothing at it. Throw this into the grave together with him. Misvah al lahasilan. It's a mitzvah, it's a command, it's a mandate for the people who are observing this to grab the clothing, save it. Says Rashi, You don't have a greater way of returning something that's lost than this circumstance. In their right mind, I'm adding, as the Gemara will in a moment, they don't want to get rid of their clothing, their possessions. But in this state of mind where they're stuck by the horror of their child dying in their lifetimes, they're throwing it, grab it, save it for them, don't let it go into the grave. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. Abaye, can you defend this? I get it's a tragic situation, but ultimately speaking, as they grab that clothing, what's their intent to throw it in with the dead person? If it's been thrown in with the dead person, Hazmana, you told me Abaye is milta. If Hazmana milta, then the halacha should be in this circumstance. It's too late. No, no, but I'm going to grab it. I'm going to save it. What's that? Answers the Gemara Hatam, the reason over there. Even Abaye would agree that we can save, we can retrieve that clothing, bring it back and restore it to its initial owners, the parents, mishum meraraihu. It's because of their mirirut, because of their bitterness. And as a result, as Nathan explained to us, their mindset is not there. Their mind and intention is not set on this actually going for their child who's dying. They're rather so distraught. In Yiddish, you would say they're tzubrechen. They're to the extent that their minds are not with them. They have this sa'ar. And as a result, this is not hazmana. Hazmana is, well, I'm doing something purposeful with the intention of dedicating it to X, Y, or Z. Over here, this isn't a state of dedication. This is a wrong mindset. It says the Gemara, Wait a second. If your claim, Abaye, is that the reason that nothing is taking effect is because their mindset is not there. The only reason they're doing it is because of the bitterness, the state of mind and spirit that they're in. Well, wait a second. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, Rashbag, adds, and he suggests that if the garment touches the bed, in other words, the bed that the deceased is lying on, too late of the mate, it's too late. 
Why is it too late? You told me, Abaye, that the issue over here is different than our general circumstance. Nobody had the intention over here. When they're throwing their clothing, their, their $10,000 coat and mink uh, coat my grandmother used to have, they're throwing it. That's all what's being thrown in. That's not their mind. Who cares if it touches the bed? Rashbag said, no, but if it touches the bed, too late. Touches the bed, too late? Why? I know that some of the Kohanim in the room will say, Tuma. Okay, Tuma is one thing. Isur Hana is something altogether different. You could say an item is Tameh. Now we need to purify it. We need to give it to someone who's already Tameh, something like that. But to argue that it's Asur Bahana'a? Why is it Asur Bahana'a? No, because that's not Hasmana. You just told me there's no intention. Abaye, you can't defend that claim. Your claim was, this is not a Hasmana circumstance. They're talk, doing it, mitoch mirarayu. It's not so. How do you explain Aban Shimon ben Gamliel? Answers the Gemara, Tirgema Ula. Ula explained this last case as the following, Bimitaha nikberet imo de mehalefe betachrike hamet. So says the Gemara, Ula explained this circumstance, I'm interpreting based on Rashi, that this was a gezerah, an enactment, a gate that the hachamim constructed. How so? This is the bed, this is the coffin we're dealing with, that the person, either the bed that he deceased on and you're going to deal with him, or alternatively, the actual coffin within which he's going to be buried. And now say the rabbis, anything that's thrown onto this, it's true, their mindset, the parents, as they throw it on, is not actually to dedicate it to him. They're just so destroyed. However, now that it's around him, won't we, won't I, looking as a casual onlooker, or even as a rabbi, not understanding what the Hevra is doing, I'll see they take certain garments off and they put it on the side and they leave certain ones in. As a result, that's very misleading. It'll lead people potentially in the future to say that even tachlichin, even the shrouds of a person in which he's being buried can be retrieved as well. That's certainly not true. Everybody knows the shrouds in which he's buried, uh, you know, the, the talit in which he's wrapped, whatever. Whatever the circumstances, that can't be fixed. You can't take that out. What does it have to do with anything? The point over here is it's a gezerah midrabbanan. If we see people walking up to the deathbed and taking clothing off, we'll say, oh, you can take off as well the tachlichehamet, which everybody knows you can't. Which means to say, Abaye explains, this was not midina. Al-pidin, what's the halakha? This clothing is mutar bahana. You're allowed to benefit. Why is it asur according to Rashba? Gezerah. What's the gezerah? means it switches. Halipin means something that switches. Halif means to switch. It will be switched. In other words, in our minds, we won't be able to distinguish between and this clothing the parents have thrown. It's gezera. Marit Ayin, you're saying, Marit Ayin, generally speaking, is people are going to think what you... That's right. That's right. But not... not I'm, if it touches the bed, yeah. So run over and catch it beforehand. Wow. It's a gezerah midrabana. That's what Rashbag is arguing. I thought that if it, if it touches, it becomes tameh. Then you put it with the tefillin, it becomes tahor, but still tameh. Morris, tameh is one thing. Asur bahana'a is an altogether different point. Your question is an actual, excellent question. You said, I thought it becomes tameh, but I could still benefit from it. Especially me, I'm a Yisrael who's already long tameh, yes? Unfortunately, right? So the reality is I would be able to put those clothing on. But the Rashbad says you're not. Why not? The answer is, it's a gezer amid rabbanan. Tum'ah, you might be right. But tum'ah is not going to, you will be right, but it won't affect the isur hana. Yes, Jeffrey? 
Yes. Um, it, it was buried next to, it was buried. It's a wonderful question. I, I, the, answer, the answer I would say is it's Asur Bahana'a. I'm just bothered because I know, uh, I know a story in which it appears as if they were thinking about taking it out. I'll tell you the story. Now I can't interpret it in light of your question. The story is, it's written in Rabbi Meir Mazuz's book, uh, Asaf HaMaskir. He mentions that, uh, that there either there's a legend or there's a tradition, it's written somewhere, that uh, the author of Peri Hadash, Rabbi Hizkiyad Di Silva, who's an important uh, Israeli rabbi three, four hundred years ago, Sephardic Posek Halakha, that his commentary, which was lost, portions of it on Shohan Aruch, was buried together with him. And the question why well, he's an important Sephardic Mefaresh to Shohan Aruch, important, and we don't have many from that generation. We have afterwards, we don't have from that generation, we have Taz, we have Magen Avram, Ashkenazic, Poskim, Perich. So they went and asked Chacham Ovadia Yosef, says Rabbi Mazuz, whether they're allowed to take it out and now publish it, now deal with it. And Chacham Ovadia Yosef argued, you shouldn't, it's Min HaShamayim, if it was Nikbar, it's Nikbar, we're not going to change Halakha based on digging it up. Rabbi Mazuz tells about a dream he had, and he was certain that that was the right thing to what was he thinking now, now, now I don't know what to say I love that story for many reasons that have nothing to do with us right now um, most specifically that halakha is determined by that's the halakha we don't go retrieve manuscripts and change halakha based on what was practiced for hundreds of years but I don't know how to explain it. the answer has to be that it's asur bahana. why is it mutar bahana? it was buried together I, that, well, well, two things. No, but it's buried with a dead person. Yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my question, no, doctor. The question here is, is the manuscript being put there because we don't want to throw it Understood. out? Understood. Understood. Let's, let's, I got it. Let's alternatively do it a bit differently. Um, Jeffrey says, Rashbag. He's asking from Rashbag. Who were, like whom were posek? That if it's nag'uba mita, there's a gezerah that you can't take it out. You want to distinguish between items and clothing? Clothing, maybe that's the answer. I'm giving honor. This, this manuscript can't be thrown away. You're giving honor to the manuscript. I, I understand, but what I'm telling you, Dan, the, the, doctor, the, the halakha over here is that if it's nag'uba mita, you can't touch it anymore. That's the halakha. Whatever logic you want, who we're giving honor to or not giving honor to, the halakha goes as follows. Unless you're distinguishing between manuscripts, well, items, and clothing. Clothing can be, uh, you make a gezerah, it might be you would look at it and you say, I'll confuse it with the shrouds. That's the gezerah, ultimately speaking. If you put a book in there, what are you confusing it with? In other words, maybe the gezerah of the hachamim, which is rashbag, is only on clothing. If you see taking clothing out, you say, oh, we can take the clothing off of him. If you see taking manuscripts out, I guess there's no such gezerah. You're putting it in afterwards? Pulling it out. Pulling it out. Your mind just didn't, no, uh, oh, you wouldn't have the gezerah then? Afterwards, you take the clothing out. In other words, the gezerah is only in the moment 
because it'll appear wrong. Fascinating question as well. I don't know. I, I'd like to say, thankfully, I'm not well-versed in these halachot. Anyway, says the Gemara next. But a, a, a very interesting question. Tashima says the Gemara. Uh, we have one last proof, or two last proofs. Second to last one over here. Here, here goes. Tashima kis she'asa o lehaniyah bo tefillin. If a person created a pouch within which they're going to place their tefillin, asur lehaniyah bo ma'ot. You're not allowed to put into it uh, coins, money. Next case, second case. In other words, you crafted a bag without any intention. You then put in tefillin. You're allowed to put into it as well coins, money. One more time. First case, the pouch was created, crafted with the intention of putting tefillin into it. What's the halakha? Asur ma'ot. That's the most important part. We'll address the second part in a second. Rava, how do you explain that part? One more time. I crafted, I sewed, I weaved the bag. I have not, it appeared, appears, yet put tefillin in. And yet, I'm not allowed to now turn it into a money pouch. Why not? It sounds like hasmana milta, right? The second part is, is easier to understand. It was a pouch which was just heke created, not a kuracha from a needlepoint store, just a kuracha, whatever. You made some sort of bag, and then you put your tefillin into it. Well, now you're missing the first stage. The first stage was a hasmana. We saw this in Rav Hasta earlier in the Gemara. There needs to be two stages. Number one, a purposeful intent, and number two, a usage. If there's one or the other, according to Rava. Addition to the tefillin or instead of the tefillin. I bought this tefillin bag for my tefillin. Now I got another nicer one. I want to use the old tefillin bag for a pouch. It depends. Was your intention with the pouch, again, assuming the tefillin is being placed in without the cases and so forth, was your intention with the pouch for tefillin and you used it with tefillin? The yes. answer Asur. Everybody agrees to that, both Rava and Abaye. The question is, if your intention, the question is not, if your intention was not for tefillin, even if you put your tefillin, you can use it. Here's the question. It had the intention of putting tefillin in it. You never put tefillin in it. You just put money in it. Was that permitted or not? According to Abaye, it should not be permitted. According to Rava, it should yes be permitted. That's our question of Azmana Milta. And the Halakha says explicitly, this Beraita is, it's Asur. Clearly, Rava, you're wrong. Abaye wins. Answers the Gemara, not so fast. Ema, you need to add in some extra words. Or you need to add in an extra detail. Asao. The first case over here, which from which we were asking, that it was just crafted for tefillin. I said, you're missing the words of, and you used them. Oh, and you used it with tefillin. As Rav Hasta taught us on uh, just a page ago, you need both intentionality and then usage in order for it to be Asur Bahana. Is that an easy win for Rava? Not really. Rava is injecting words over here which are very, uh, very, uh, very conspicuously missing, that's Rava's interpretation. That's an interesting suggestion. Uh, alternative, I, I like it. Uh, uh, maybe. That's the second case in the, in the Beraita. And the, the point is, ultimately speaking, once you argue, and that's what the Gemara means, once you argue, that he actually used it, then there's no chidush. I don't know, so what's the chidush? The Gemara is suggesting it's for the second case, for the Mara's case, that's the chidush. The first case that you made it with the intention of using it and you used it, everybody agrees that that was easy. The second case, that you made it stop, 
You just made it as a pouch. Someone made it as a pouch. And then you used it, and it's still now you can use it for money. That's a hidush. That's Kedarav Hasta. But ultimately speaking, says the Gemara, we don't have a proof until now. Tashema, Tashema, we're going to almost conclude our sugya. Amar le'uman, aseli tik shel sefer, or nad tik shel tefillin. You turn to an uman, to a craftsman, and you say, please make for me a tik shel sefer, a case for a sefer Torah, or a nad tik shel tefillin, or a case uh, to, with which to wrap my tefillin. Ad shelo nishtamesh bahen kodesh, mutalish tamesh bahen hol. Until you use them, with the Sefer Torah or the Tefillin, you can use them with money and anything or everything else you want to carry around in that bag. One second, Abaye, you told me Hazmana Milta. I turned to the guy, the craftsman, and I said to the needlepoint person, I'm paying you $500, make me a Tefillin bag. I'm going to put my Tefillin directly into it. No cases, no anything else. What's the halacha in that situation? Abaye would tell you Hazmana Milta, you can't use it for anything else any longer. Says the Beraita explicitly, you have not yet used it with the Sefer Torah. The case was made with the explicit and expressed purpose of using for Sefer Torah, but it hasn't yet been used so. It's mutar bahana'ah. Mutar bahana'ah. Abaye, you told me hazmana milta. We're in a big trouble over here for Abaye. If it ultimately speaking was used with the tefillin, what the Sefer Torah? So of course, Rava agrees as well. The Gemara now brought its final proof. Its final proof essentially knocks out Abaye. It makes clear this Beraita is explicit. How does it make clear that? I told the craftsman, make me the case for the Sefer Torah. What was the explicit and expressed purpose? Making a case for a Sefer Torah. That's our case. You were Oreg Beged Lamet. How is it any different? And I ultimately speaking don't want to use it for the dead person. It's so gorgeous. I'd rather wear it myself. Allowed to or not. Abayen Rava. We started this a page and a half ago. What's the halakha? The Beraita says explicitly. It's mutar. Says the Gemara, Abaye, you're caught, but here's how we'll defend for you. Tana'ehi. Perhaps it's a mahloket tana'im. In other words, instead of this just being a local, late mahloket between Abaye and Rava, in fact, it's more far-reaching. It goes back to the time of the tana'im, the rabbis from the time of the Mishnah. How so? Ditanya, the Beraita states the following halakha. Tzipan zahav, which means one, or two, one of two things. It's a reference to tefillin box, either the box itself you made out of gold, or alternatively you plated the box with gold. Mahloket ha'aharonim, how to understand those words. O shetala alehen or shel Alternatively, you used a, a not kosher animal for the leather of the tefillin. Now, the first halakha that it can't be gold, halakha l'moshe misinai the Gemara says in Masech Menachot. The second halakha, what's that? The, the, the tefillin box, not the case on top, the box itself, right? Or alterna- the, the second halakha that it needs to be from a kosher animal, it's a dirasha the hachamim have as the ma'antiye torat adonai beficha, it needs to be something that you could eat. Okay, both of those are pasu, we know that. Pesulot, good. Next, or behema tehora. If you alternatively use the hide, the leather of a kosher animal, kesherot, last words, the most important words, af alpi lishman, even though the leather was not worked in, was not produced, the lishman with the expressed purpose of tefillin, 
Hold that thought for a second. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Av'or behemat tehora pesulot ad sheye'abedu lishman. Says Rashbag, no, even if you have a kosher animal hide, it's not kosher for tefillin unless it was produced, it was manufactured, it was worked in lishman with the express purpose of tefillin. Says the Gemara, these two opinions are disagreeing with the issue of Abaye and Rava. How so? Like anything else, mahloket. Here's how Rashi explains it and then how Tosafot explains it. Rashi says as follows. The opinion who says that you need ibud lishma, needs to have the expressed purpose of and mindset of making tefillin, his opinion is as well, hasmana milta. My mindset matters. If my mindset matters, what I say matters. As a result, it matters with this tefillin. The alternative, the contrasting opinion, the conflicting opinion who says, no, it doesn't need to be lishma. And the first opinion we had here in this beraita, he's of the opinion, hasmana if my mindset, if what I state doesn't matter anyway, unless I actually do it, who cares what you thought before? And that's how Rashi reads it. When, when, when the dust settles, according to Rashi, it's a mahluk between these two tanaim, Tosafot goes a little bit differently. They get stuck in a technicality and they in turn suggest the Gemara goes as follows. If Hazmana lav milta. If my mindset, if what I state is insufficient, you want to know what you need to do to compensate for that in order to inject the stipulin with the requisite sanctity? You need to actually craft it lishman. Alternatively, if you say the mindset and the words you state are significant, well then who cares if you then worked at Lishman? Just say that this is tefillin, just say that, and that in itself is significant. But the Gemara's conclusion over here is the mahluk rabayen rava is really a mahluk between tanaim one way or another. Says the Gemara, is it ever a relevant mahlokit? Are you ever actually dealing with a reality? Our initial case, forget about the tefillin for a moment. You started this whole business, Abayen Rava. What was your case again? The person passes away, he's dead in front of you. I'm finishing, I'm finishing. He's dead in front of you and uh, you're crafting now, you're weaving, you're thinking about weaving clothing for him. Is that ever the reality? A person passes away and you don't have the clothing after they pass away, you're doing it? That's what we'll start with tomorrow and then we'll conclude with the halakha al-ma'asya. Amen wa amen.